Come on, somebody. Do you love them this morning? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Father, I thank you that your presence is real. I thank you that you care about us. And I'm thankful that we can come in and worship your great name. I'm thankful that, Lord, your compassion for us is everlasting. Thank you that you are so willing to leave the throne room of heaven to come down to this earth to experience the things that we had to experience. Lord, that you could be the sympathetic Savior to die on a cross knowing what we had to face, being the sacrifice for the sins of the world, our sins, even the sins that we have committed, you died for them. That we could have eternal life, a life free from the bondage of death, hell, and the grave. Free from all of the suffering and pain and torment of eternal damnation and hell. Lord, we are so thankful that you loved us enough, Lord, to offer us this gift. And Lord, we surrender to you today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Lord, my Savior, and we worship you. Can you just look at somebody and say, he's a good God. Amen. You might be seated. Good to see you this morning. Great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to see the Sullivans with us this morning. Glad to have you guys. Man, isn't God just amazing? Yes, He is. All the time, God is so good. I'm just looking for out. Man, you guys just look great this morning. I'm just trying to keep up with you, Timothy. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 9. I want to start just a little bit of a monologue with this story. I had it a little better uh, memorized until some occurrences took place in the house this morning. Got me a little discombobulated. Um, but <clears throat> not in his worst nightmares could he have ever envisioned that he would end up here. If you could go back in time and make a different decision, he would, he would do it. We knew this might happen, didn't we? If he could go back in time and make a different decision, he would do it in a heartbeat. His parents turned their back on him. His friends wanted nothing to do with him. He, how could he blame them? All he saw was disgust when he looked back into the mirror. He knew what, he knew what was in, that, in every person's mind when they would see him. Traitor, scum, sellout, contemptible. In fact, they had made a special classification just for him. He wasn't even considered a part of the sinners. Matthew was called a tax collector. Sounds like some people these days. No, I'm just kidding. On one day, Matthew was sitting at his post in a crowd of people, sitting there just watching the day go by. But there came this person that had a crowd of people around them not very far from Matthew's post. And here this man was teaching. And in the middle of his teaching, there was a, a few men who came in and interrupted him in the middle of his sentence. Matthew thought, well, maybe he will get frustrated with that, but Jesus didn't look frustrated. He just looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven you. Kept on teaching. Well, you know, that struck Matthew somewhat weird and he laughed 
out loud, instinctively. The problem is, is he laughed too loud. A number of people looked at, over at him with an irritated glare. Je Jesus also looked at Matthew as Matthew kind of slumped down into his seat. Somebody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> then Jesus turned back to the man and said this. He said, just to show you that I can forgive sins, get up and walk. Wow. At once, the man jumped up and the whole crowd stood in amazement. Matthew had, had seen nothing like this before. Then Matthew looked up and Jesus was walking toward his table. Matthew was thinking, well, he can't be walking towards me. So he looked over his shoulder to see if there was somebody else behind him. But Jesus kept on walking his direction. And about the time he got to his table, he leaned down. In a still, small voice for him to hear, follow me. Wow. Wow. Not, not, not knowing hardly anything about Jesus, not knowing where he was going, what he was calling Matthew to, or why in the world... He selected Matthew in the first place. Matthew found himself immediately standing, leaving his life of tax collecting behind. Somewhere in the deep part of his soul, he knew that this would be the most important decision that he would make in his life. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. You look good. Can you imagine being Matthew on that day? I mean, we know what we've done. We know who we are. Can you imagine Jesus just looking at you and walking your direction? Can you imagine Jesus leaning down and into your ear and say, follow me? See, Jesus is on a mission, right? One of our core values is to be missional. And Jesus is very missional. The Bible tells us that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, right? Jesus has come to be the lamb slain from the very foundations of the world, the sacrifice for our sin. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to atone for mankind. Thank God Jesus was on a mission. However, I understand that Jesus is not a one-and-done kind of guy, is he? He's not like LSU a few years ago. Oh, my bad. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Jesus came to prepare others to fulfill the role. He wanted to restore to us our purpose and help us to realize that we too were made for mission. Would you look to somebody and say, you were made for mission? Amen. I believe that the invitation that God is going to give us is equally has the potential to be transforming in our life just as it was for Matthew on that day. Amen. You know, people are seeking purpose. People are looking for, what am I made for? What am I doing? What is my mission? In reality, our purpose is much bigger than we often think it is. It's way bigger than just going to church on Sundays. Come on. I mean, people will do great things for far less when they recognize that they're fulfilling their purpose. Amen? People also want to do about something that's good. The Bible says Jesus was going about doing good, wasn't he? People want to be about something that's doing good. There was a study done about three years ago finding out 
truly the desire of people? Do they want happiness or meaningfulness? And in that study, although they were very connected, what the the study found out is that most people really were looking for something meaningful. How many know that when you are found in something meaningful, you also are found happy? (laughs) Amen. Why is that? Because we were made for mission. God created us for a mission. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is the calling of Matthew. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. I mean, just the fact that Jesus approached Matthew. I mean, let that simmer a minute. Just the fact that Jesus approached Matthew was something enormous. It's huge. Wow. Tax collectors were seen as the the bottom of the barrel culturally in that day. They were the worst of the worst. Tax collectors were Jews that had literally sold out their own people to gain wealth. Sold out their own people to find themselves lavished in what they wanted. People hated them. If we could go back in time and freeze the scene of that moment and look at the hundreds of people there, the the least person that Jesus should have picked would have been Matthew. I mean, it's kind of like when you're choosing your favorite fantasy football team. It's the backup punter that you really don't need, right? Matthew. It's incredible. It's incredibly significant for us Why? Because if Matthew is called, that means that we are called. You know, it's a a misnomer and a widespread myth that, that the church, that there's a subsidiary event that takes place in our life that just has a call on it. Because in reality... It's not just some guy that stands in front of you and preaches the word that's called to ministry. The fallacy is is that, well, he's called to do the ministry. We're just called to come sit on the pews and fund ministry. That's not it, is it? It, it, It's it's the, to me, the biggest lie that's out there is that, that one fact that there's only a few called. Because in reality, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the moment we step into the kingdom plan, we become the ambassadors of Christ Jesus. We become the called of God. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light for a purpose, and that is for the glory of God. Amen? Somebody said, that's not my vocation. Well, if you look at the word vocation, the very uh, Latin word voca literally means to call. Every one of us are called into the vocation of the kingdom of God for this day and this hour. How many believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? I mean, when you realize that you are called by God, that he's chosen you to be an active part of his mission then it gives us some questions in mind. Well, for the businessman, it might be, well, why did God give me these talents to be in business? And I would say, well, God has blessed you for you to be able to expand the kingdom with your influence that he's given you. Amen? It's not necessarily to be able to retire early and spend 20 years on vacation. If you go, let me know. But it goes the same with the stay-at-home mom. You know, Lord, if, if, if I'm called to ministry, what role do I play in the advancement of the mission as I raise my kids? That's the questions we need to ask. What about the firefighter or, or the, you know, the policeman or the teacher or even the student? God, what am I called to do? Can you imagine if you woke up every morning, if I had the, the music uh, for the theme song for Mission Impossible, I'd play it right now. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, sometimes we wake up, well, we take our shower, we brush our teeth, we, you know, we, we go out the door, we go do our work, we come back home and get ready for the next day, and it's routine and mundane. But can you imagine waking up in the morning and, you know, with this mission in mind on your mindset, and you get up and, God, I'm expecting you to give me a mission today, kind of like Charlie's Angels, and you got to burn it up at the end, you know what I'm saying? And we, we, we get up and we get into our word, we pray, and, and then we're seeking that, Lord, what is it today that you want me to do? And, and we get the kids ready for mission just as we're getting ready for mission. And, and, and then finally we get to work and with our eyes in tune, we're looking at what uh, divine appointment are you putting in my path today, God? What plan do you have for me today to really reach out and touch someone today? What is it, God, that, that is laid before me? You know, how many times do we look at those things as more of an irritation? We see the person, they come in, and they're, they're driving you crazy. And it just could be that if you were living life in a mission that you recognize that that, that person just might be set in front of you on that day for you to be the light of the world to them. That you could be the word of God, the hands and feet of God to say somebody loves you. You might be irritating. You might be frustrated. You might be discouraged. You might be struggling. But I've got a word for you today. Jesus loves you. He died for you. You don't have to stay the same way that you walked in. You can leave as a, a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can leave revived and well in Jesus' name. Different life, isn't it? It'd be amazing if we woke up in the morning and got a phone call. This is God. Yes, Lord. Wouldn't that be great? If we actually had that moment in, when God just says, I want you to speak to your coworker today about this. You know, too often we're seeking a voice when we've already got a Verse. Amen? Because the word is complete with scripture over and over admonishing us to be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. So we've been called to show the love of Jesus through us to a world that's longing for something amazing. When I look back at Jesus' invitation to Matthew, he didn't say, get in line, boy. He didn't say, do what I do, but he said, follow me. Jesus invited Matthew into a relationship with him. Come on. This relationship wasn't a byproduct of ministry that he was doing alongside Jesus. This was, ministry was a byproduct of the relationship of, G, of Matthew spending time with Jesus. Amen? Jesus is not out there saying, you do this, you do that. He's saying, come be with me. Because let me encourage you to understand that Jesus is not sitting around doing nothing. He is doing something. And if you are walking with Jesus, you will be doing something with him. Amen? Amen? <laughs> From Matthew's point of view, he's obviously shocked. Why in the world would Jesus approach me, the tax collector? Wow. I mean, what is even more remarkable is that Matthew literally dropped everything at that moment. Can you imagine? Matthew had a good job. 90% of Israel at that moment was under the poverty line. Here's Matthew. He's wealthy. He's got everything made. He's, some, he's a part of something bigger than him, the Roman Empire. I'm sure that he had a pretty good retirement plan. <laughs> the residual tax. Oh. But yet, Jesus' invitation, even though it was so vague, obscure, he, he left everything. He dropped it all. And follow Jesus. What would, he, what would he be doing? Who knows? Where would he go? Who knows? What's in it for me? He didn't ask. Right? If you look at the very first words of Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as 
he was going from there. Now, we realize that this was written by Matthew himself. So these words actually have some great meaning to Matthew. Because he just was sitting there watching what Jesus did. He watched Jesus heal the paralyzed man. Even more importantly, he had seen Jesus forgive that man of his sins. And the question I'm sure was stirring in Matthew's heart is this same Jesus who just forgave the sins of this man, who just healed him and caused him to, to be able to go get up and walk, could he be the one that could forgive me and cleanse me and, and forgive me of all of my own shame? Jesus' invitation is from sitting to following. From sitting to following. I mean, you think about it. Matthew's just sitting there. I had my stool down here. Hey, you know, in a few, in, in, in a few weeks, this is going to be dropped down, and I'll be preaching from right there. But he's just sitting there. He's watching. He's observing. And Jesus walks up. Follow me. <laughs> what does Jesus call on Matthew to really do? Move. The real call is you got to move. Movement. You got to get up. He had to get up. He had to make a conscious decision to make a move. He, he couldn't just sit in the seat and follow. Come on, y'all got that. He couldn't just sit in a seat and follow. The moment he took a step was a moment he stepped in faith and said, I will follow Jesus. For us, God is calling us to get off of the sidelines and get into the game that we were made for a mission. It will require us to consciously do something for the kingdom of God. You know what's significant about the number 3,900 and 4,000? I know. That's the number of weeks that the average person walks on this earth. 3,900 to 4,000 weeks. Wow, right? Do you think it's important to take a few of those weeks to really find out what God has in store? Do you think it's important for us to, to spend a little time of that and, and recognize what is my purpose? I remember when I hit the age 40, just a few years ago, I, I, I really struggled at 40 because I was thinking, whatever I'm doing right now, I need to put all of my energy into it because I'm not promised another 40 years. And the reality is, is that we're not promised another day, hour, minute, second. And we need to be as Jesus said, I need to be about my Father's business. We need to be about the Father's business. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 says, Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors, say many, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Can you imagine Matthew sitting at the table? Matthew says, Jesus, where are we going? Your house. <laughs> it's kind of like my mama yesterday when she called says, are you at home? And Wesley's sitting beside me, and he just starts grinning. He says, Nana's coming. <laughs> and, you know, we were like a tornado through that house. Nana's coming. No, not, not really. We, things were pretty straight. I'm not sure if they were Nana straight, but they were straight. Your house, what's your address? Let me put it in my GPS. Come on, let's go, Matthew. <laughs> you know, there's a, 
there's a, there's, a, there's a fear of putting a yes on the table. There's a fear of saying, I'll do it. There's this anxiety about saying, well, I'll, I'll be all in. Right? Because we live in such a society that has no value of commitment. They have no value of loyalty. Man, when you used to get a job in a certain business, you were loyal to that business. You would defend it. Now, a job's just a dime a dozen. If you're part of a church, you're with that church till you die. It was, you could go find the old Bibles and they would have where they were baptized in that church. They would have where their children were dedicated in that church. They would have all that information. You could find out where they were married and where, where they were going to be buried just by looking at the back of the Bible or the front of the Bible. They were committed. They were loyal. But we have a, a struggle with putting a yes on the table. And God says, but I, and some, some of I believe is, I don't want to spend a lifetime in the nursery. Could be that, I don't want to go to Africa. Yes, I said that. I don't want to go to Antarctica. I don't want to go. Look, it may not be that God's calling you to go somewhere, but... God really just wants to know, are you willing to start where you are? Are you willing to commit yourself where you are? Are you willing to step in and say, here I am, God. I mean, look, they were at Matthew's house in verse 10. It was probably either Matthew who cooked the food or at least provided the food for that day. It was Matthew's, uh, kind of like GT, right? It's, it was like GT's barbecue... Lord help me. I, I looked up at the clock because I, I know as soon as I said that, we got 12 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's that moment where, look, he went from being Matthew the tax collector to Matthew the missionary. Wow. Isn't that amazing? His ability to, to, to put out some food and to call a few people in turned into a mission field for God. When, when I go from sitting to following, God is going to internally start something inside of me that says, it's time for you to change your plans. It's time for you to look at your life a little differently. There's something different about you now. God will transform how you use your resources, right? I mean, God's blessed us with stuff, right? He's blessed us with skills for a purpose for the kingdom of God to be used for the mission. Matthew used his house. Matthew used his food to be on mission that day. The same is true with us. I mean, I look around this church, and, and I think of, of the GTs and the Georges and the Kins and the Mikes and the Donnies and the Vicks who just put together a GMC building. And I'm not talking about General Motors, But they've worked at our global mission center, and they've put in heat and air. They've wired the place. They've sheetrocked the place. They, 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 they are working to get it ready for a mission, and that's a mission in itself. I think of, of Dixie and Josh and Kirsten, who, who, who's crawled up under, I mean, in between this ceiling and that little false ceiling there. To make sure wires were connected and make sure things were plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. They said I couldn't get up there because I was too big and I'd fall through. I'm just kidding. But I think of Jeff and Jamie Sanders and the, the property that God gave them. So and, and they feel like, hey, the Lord gave us this place so that we can so that we can invite others to enjoy. I mean. Isn't that what that looks like? When you turn your life over to the mission of God, everything you have becomes the mission of God. Everything I have, Lord, is yours. If you want me to have it, then God, I'm going to use it for you. If you don't want me to have it, then you'll take it away. Amen? 
Amen. That's good stuff. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. I mean, even Monday nights, I mean, we've got some famous cooks that come and cook for our Monday night CR. And if and there's a few who sneak in and just want to eat, and I say, hey, look, where are you going? <laughs> but man, what a great time to be together to experience the worship and experience God on Monday nights, but thank God for those who use their talents to volunteer, whether it be children's ministry or CR or whatever you do. God will transform not only how you look at your resources, but how you look at your relationships. Can you imagine, you know, here's Matthew. He's invited all the tax collectors and sinners in there. I mean, how many understand that you have a have a, a sphere of influence, right? Every one of us has a sphere of influence. How do you use that sphere of influence? I mean, for Matthew on that day, he invited all his sphere of influence to show up. It's the first time, though, that they showed up and the religious people were there. What kind of conversations does that look like, Matthew? I mean, I'm sure Matthew's probably hoping that just what he experienced from God, he wants them to experience now, right? Isn't that your desire? Just as God has saved you, you want every person that you know to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ and know the forgiveness of God just like you do. Doesn't that make you feel good? Amen. And so therefore, that's his desire, I'm sure. is He wants them to also experience what he has experienced. Wow. It's kind of like your life. If your life is a party, who are you throwing it for? Are you investing your time and your resources into who can pay you back? Or are you investing your time and resources in the kingdom purpose, knowing that your treasures are not laid up on this earth, but are laid up in heaven? Amen? Amen. Wow. Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, say Pharisees, Pharisees. When the Pharisees saw this, they saw it. They said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? Now the crazy thing is, is how could they see it? They had to be in the room. A little hypocritical, don't you think? <laughs> What were they doing there? They must have been blown away to see Jesus sitting there. But here's the third way that God transforms us when we move from sitting to following. God will transform how I respond to ridicule. The Pharisees were the rulers, rule keepers, if you will. They were the cool kids at the school, right? You know, everybody want to be well, everybody want to be like the Pharisees. Well, maybe some. And yet the tax collectors were at the bottom of the of the of the totem pole, if you will. They were the they were the scum of the earth. You can imagine, well, I'd like to rub shoulders with those guys, but those guys are way up here and we're just looked at way down here. But the moment that the moment that Jesus sat at the table with the tax collectors, they, they were not interested in what the Pharisees thought anymore. They were more interested in eating at the table with Jesus. Amen? Look, we were not made to fit in. We were made to look different. We were made to do something different. We were made to stand out. We were made for a mission not to live for the approval of man, but to live for the approval of God. Amen? Galatians chapter 1 and 10 says, for, I am, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Jesus faced all kinds of ridicule. Can you imagine? Wouldn't we expect to also face some kind of criticism and ridicule? Persecution? Jesus did things differently in the temple. It wasn't based on what they thought was the same. And they ridiculed him. 
They even tried to run him out. They even tried to stone him for the things that he did that they thought were not right. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. He said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Wow. Matthew, for Matthew, maybe some of the tax collectors at that table that day, they're not going to like that he brought them in. They're not going to be happy that, Je- that, that Jesus was there. They're not going to be happy about that. But it's the one tax collector that might have stayed over after the meal to say, you know what, Matthew, whatever you've received, I want some of that. That makes the difference. Not everybody's going to accept the message of Jesus Christ. Not everybody's going to accept the fact that we are living in the plan that God's called us to do. Not everybody's going to, oh, patty cake beside you and say, you're doing such a good job. But there are some who will absolutely be transformed because of the love of God that's in you. If my pianist will come, I'm, I'm going to be heading toward a close. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, we can see how this passage ends. But when Jesus heard this, he said, is it, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. What was Jesus' mission? He's a spiritual doctor rescuing physically and spiritually wounded and sick people. That means he came for you and he came for me. Aren't you glad? Amen. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to pile on a, a set of rules that you couldn't even walk and, and uh, be a part of. But you know, I mean, even looking at the scripture, who wrote this book? Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector, the worst and the sinner. He wrote the book. And how many people are still being touched by the message that Matthew was able to write down? We have no idea the impact that God wants to make through us. We have no idea what God wants to do in our lives. There's no greater joy than to walk in that journey and figure out what God has planned. You know, I want to share a clip of a movie. And it's, um, the film is a little... Dark, you can't hardly see it. But it's about, I, I don't know if you've seen this, the Hacksaw Ridge. And it takes place during World War II. And the main character is a, is a medic who refuses to carry a weapon because of his spiritual beliefs. His battalion is pretty much left for dead on top of the ridge. And everyone else retreats except this one medic. If you will, it's about three minutes long.
Guys, we've been called to a mission. What if every one of us simply had the attitude of, please, Lord, help me get one more? Man, I don't know that young man's name. But supposedly that's a true story. He didn't have any weapons. But there's no telling how many lives he saved that day. I don't know, you know, I feel like I'm talking to the cream of the crop here today. You guys are amazing. But how many has one more on your list that needs Jesus? How many have one more that you know needs a touch from the Lord? The question is, is, how intentionally are we to reach them? Jesus talked about suffering. He said, your suffering is not unto death. Are we even, are we even in a glimpse making a sacrificial outreach to see lives touched and transformed? How many people are on our list that we really want to see saved? And what are we doing about them? Do we pray for them daily? Do we call them? Is it just the normal cadence of life? Get up, take a shower, go to work, come home, take the kids to whatever activity they're in, feed them, go to bed, get up, take a shower. What do we do differently? What do we do that actually says, I'm on a mission to see a life transformed. I'm on a mission to see my friends, my family saved, my coworkers, my students Lord, please give me one more. Please give me one more. Don't get muddled in the abstract things. Know that this, Jesus Christ, came, left the throne room in heaven, came to this earth to become a human being just like us. He died on the cross, was willing to suffer, face the temptations and all of that. Died on the cross for us. Rising to dead on the third day to give us the hope of glory that knowing that we too will rise with him. But what do we do with that? Do we high five each other and say, Woo, I got saved. And... and is that it? Is that the purpose? Is just to get a ticket to heaven? Or is it, oh Lord, just give me one more. Just give me one more. I don't know, man. I believe God's called every one of us to a purpose. And if you can say, Pastor, I have someone that I really want to see saved they're broken they're hurting they've strayed they've been apart they've known it's not like they haven't known but man they've just been broken and they need Jesus and I don't want to see them broken anymore
How many has someone like that in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I think we all can identify. How many would say, Pastor, I'm the broken person that needs Jesus? Today is not a moment of shame. <laughs> Matthew could have felt the shame. But just as Jesus walked up to the table to Matthew and said, follow me. He's speaking in your ear this morning. Follow me. Amen. If you raised your hand, because I believe there's a lot of us, would you stand right now, right where you are? I want to agree with you. I want us to agree together. If you raise your hand, said, I have someone that I really know that needs to experience the love of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Can we agree together? But I want you to understand, Jesus said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. When we raise our hand today. We're saying, Lord, send me. Lord, I want to be the active per participant in the kingdom plan. Father, Lord, I'm thankful that your grace is sufficient. I'm thankful, God, that you didn't call us to just do. You called us into a relationship with you. And Lord, your word says, it's not my will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And Lord, in my relationship with you, I pray, God, that you would help me be a part of your plan in touching my friend, my child, my neighbor, whatever that name is that you have have raised your hand for say it now I've, I'm here to, God to join you in touching that person God I pray that you will begin to, to plow the, the ground that you'll begin to till the soil of their heart that they will be made pliable that, that the seeds that are being planted God that somebody will water that somebody will come along and encourage and Lord, ultimately, as we fulfill your plan, as we continue to love, as we continue to encourage, as we continue to give the word, not condemning. For your word says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Lord, not condemning. But Lord, showing them that a relationship with God is the best thing that they could ever have. Showing them that that having a relationship with you doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't make me religious, but it puts me in relationship with you, and you make me righteous. And Lord, I pray that as we display that relationship to others, that we will be able to lift them up and encourage them. God, brings salvation to every home, every hand that was represented. God, I pray that you will intervene and God, cleanse hearts and make righteous your people, Jesus. They were created for your purpose. They, they're valuable in your sight. You didn't die for nothing. You died for even them. And God, whatever it takes, give us the energy and the excitement and the zeal to just Get one more. One more, Lord. Give us one more. God, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I, I feel the pain of some mothers in this room right now. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll bring salvation to that child. God, that you'll open their eyes, God. They, they're not too far gone. They're not, you haven't given up. And Lord, I pray whatever it takes, God, awaken their eyes to know you, to experience your love, to know that you are there for them. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the grace that you gave us 
knowing where we are, we, we were, you saved us. And God, please extend that grace to those that we are praying for and use us in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. I really appreciate all of you guys for your passion for the kingdom. Hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna win the county, aren't we? Right? We're, we're not going to do it by ourselves. We're going to win the county. Jesus said, in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world, God, may we be used for that purpose in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. May you be blessed in your going, just as you've been blessed in the coming. Amen? God bless you guys. Thank you so much.